You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Several things on my mind. It's a family fun day. It is one week before Christmas. We're still looking at our theme, Romans 2, 7, Glory, Honor, and Immortality. And then the song that uh, Springs just sang now also took me to another direction. So my head is scattered, but the Holy Spirit will help us in the name of Jesus. I want to ask you a question. What is the greatest secret to the happiness? There's a part of the song. What does the song say? I never knew I could be so happy. What makes a Christian so happy? The person that answered my question last Sunday won something. I wish he were here to testify. He was surprised. He thought he told you. He thought I was joking. Now I'm joking. If you answer, (laughs) I don't want to form the habit. But what makes a Christian happy? I never knew I could be so happy. Sorry? The presence of God, yes, that's what the scripture is. See? Sorry? Joy of salvation, very good. The hope of eternity, yes. We're all answering well. I, sorry, I didn't hear you. Knowing that Jesus died, the death and resurrection of Jesus, yes, my dear. Knowing that God is watching over you, that you're secure. Very good. Let's clap for ourselves. Okay. I'll show you something that, you know, jumped up to me recently, you know, and um, come with me to Hebrews chapter 1. And um, when I saw it, I said, no, I have to share this with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because I was wondering why it wasn't so known. It says, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, let me say therefore, God, your God, has what? Anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. So what makes me so happy as a Christian is the love of righteousness and the hatred for iniquity. Now, the world we are in, we are in this world in a dual capacity. Okay? And that dual capacity means you can be in the spirit, you can be in the flesh. Like this song they sang today, even if you're not born again, you will dance. You will enjoy it. Pa-pam, pam, pam. Do you understand? You're not being moved by the spirit. It's, it's, it's okay. It's not wrong. There's nothing bad with the song. But even your body is responding. And everybody will respond. Before we got born again, we used to go to nightclubs then. And dance to gospel music. We didn't know it was gospel because the music was sweet. Now the difference now is this. That when you hear a song, the words of the song must call. The Bible says deep calls unto deep. Praise God. The words of the song must bear witness to your spirit. So when they sang that, I never knew I could be so happy. The uh, saxophonist and the trumpet and all of that, they could make you happy. The way they were playing, they played excellently. The drama, the, you know, the, the nice tune. 
But what makes the Christian happy is the love for righteousness and hatred for lawlessness. Now, everything in this world, I heard recently that, um, I I think it was in the news that there is a fake Naira. Everything in this world now has a fake. Now, the devil has counterfeit happiness. He has counterfeit excitement. He has counterfeit, you know, celebrations amongst God's people. So, if you're gathered here this morning and you're living in iniquity, your happiness is counterfeit. Praise God. If you don't hate lawlessness and we're all laughing, it's counterfeit. I'm sorry. Do you understand? Part of what the Holy Spirit had to remind me is that rapture could occur today so that don't get carried away. Don't come and talk about the rice and stew we're going to eat and then you know, everybody will go. Say, if you preach it and rapture happens this afternoon, will you be happy? I said, no, I won't be happy. So I have to preach what while we're eating rice and stew and dancing. If rapture happens, I will say, I discharge my responsibility. Is someone hearing me? So you don't expose yourself to where you allow the counterfeit. There's fake everywhere. So don't have fake joy. Don't have fake happiness. Help me tell your neighbor, don't have fake happiness. Don't be fake cool. You know, you come, you're looking so clean, but you're dirty everywhere. No. Rather, you know, we see you, you come in, you know, and everything is just looking messed up. And we know this person needs to be cleaned up. And then we show you love that way. But that you come and, you know, you, you say, uh, bless you. In fact, when we are dancing, you don't even dance a lot. You dance holily. <laughs> okay? Praise the Lord, somebody. Say, you have loved righteousness. And listen to what is there now. It's not just that you loved righteousness. Because a lot of people love righteousness. A lot of people love what is good. But the counterpart makes it genuine. You hate lawlessness. Praise the Lord. On your wedding day, if you're married there as a man, the vow you take is that I will love you, I will do this, and then I will forsake all other women. If you say to her, I will love you, and, and then you turn to the other person and love you, and turn to the other person, you're a lover, isn't it? But you're not a husband. So it says, you have loved righteousness, and what? Hated Lawless. If the two are not there, the equation is not balanced. Let's bow our heads as we talk to the Lord in prayer. Father, we want to thank you for loving us. Thank you for the season that we're entering and the season that we remember and celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Your only begotten son that you sent into the world just because we needed a savior. You gave him up for us all. This morning we come to say thank you. Such love, such indescribable, such unexplainable love that you demonstrated towards us that while we are yet sinners, your son Jesus Christ died for us. This morning we are rejoicing. We are happy because of what you did for us. And we come running after you. Lord, as we fellowship today in playing, in eating, in sharing as families, as one body in Christ, we ask that your spirit will come and dwell amongst us. As we partake of things temporal, we pray that the eternal will prosper in our midst. Let heaven, O Lord, let our treasures, let our journeys in you 
advance by reason of this fellowship today. Help the teacher, help the hearers. Is there anyone, O oh Lord, in dire need of a miracle? You're the miracle-working God. Meet your sons and daughters at their point of need. Thank you, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, uh, Romans chapter 2, we've been there. Our theme for the anniversary since uh, November has been eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. This morning we're going to just move a little bit further and pick another word there. And because of that, I would like us to read down to 11. So we'll read 7, 8, 9, and 11, and then i come back to the word. Let's read together from eternal life again. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek but glory honor and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek 11 for there is no partiality with God Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. The word I want us to consider, you know, this morning as we begin our meditation is the word seek. Let me hear you say seek. You know, it says eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek. Now, if your life, if my life were a vehicle, okay, and I had a 12-cylinder engine, and I had a body that could carry 50 people or one, you know, two people, maybe it's a sports car and whatever. All those definitions and all those descriptions and clarifications, they would mean nothing if I continually turn my steering in the wrong direction. The worst seek to you and to me is to a vehicle, the steering. Did I communicate? The steering is what determines which direction you go. You can go there fast, you can go there slow. But the direction you turn the steering is where you're going. So they say eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good, which direction are they steering? The Bible says that in those who are steering in the direction where they are searching for what? Glory, honor, and immortality. It matters what you seek. Now, the interesting news that you must note is that every one of us here is seeking something. Just like today now, some would not have come to church, they probably would have done online, but they are here because there is rice, and there is beans, and there is plantain. So you're not necessarily seeking let me not complete the statement. You know what you seek. Praise God. Now, there's nothing wrong with it because we made more than enough food for the number I'm seeing. So we wouldn't want the food to be wasted. But what you seek, <laughs> everybody is seeking something. And it is wisdom to pause, even at this time that we get to the end of the year, to ask yourself, what am I seeking? What am I really seeking? Praise God. 
And just to help us, we want to look at the word seek. What does it mean? It means attempt or desire to obtain or achieve something. So what am I trying to achieve? What am I trying to obtain? The Hebrew you know, definition tries to put it, say to search out by any method to crave after. So it's a craving. What are you craving after? Here we're told about people who are craving after glory, honor, and immortality. If you notice in our text, very important, is that the next verse, verse 8, repeated that statement and gave us the converse. It says, but to those who are what? Self-seeking. So you can seek this direction, you can seek the other direction. And that self-seeking turns everything around. It says, but to those who are self-seeking, and do not, because self-seeking would not allow you to obey the truth. Nobody who is self-seeking will obey the truth. You know why? Jesus Christ is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. Now, when you're self-seeking, you have a master who is not Jesus Christ. That master becomes you. And what you do is what you, the master, wants to do. And once you're found in that situation, you can no longer obey him. You see, the reason obedience is difficult for us is because of what we are seeking. i give you an example now. If I come in here now, we saw one white man jogging in our estate. If I brought him to church now and he sat down through the service, and at the end of the service, I introduced him as the um, head of mission for um, which place now? Um, Canada or one of the countries people want to jab at to. And I told you by announcement that all those who want to jab out to Canada will need, you know, are going to have, he has promised me he's going to give 30 people, you know, automatic visas. The condition is that these 30 people will fast for the next 60 days. How many people will say they won't do it? Some people will say, Pastor, let me do 120. I started last year. Are you hearing me? Did you get what I'm saying? Everybody will do it. Why? Because they are seeking to go to Canada. So the reason you're not doing what you should do is that you don't want to. It's not impossible. With God, how many things are impossible? All things are possible. But it's not attractive to you. It's not a burden to you. You don't want to do it. What you want to do, you do. Praise God. I remember some time ago, a few years ago, when I think uh, the women were doing empowerment. And one of the ladies that came for empowerment, you know, Mom, she looked at her and said, are you sure you need empowerment? And she said, yes. I said, well, how come this eyelash, this extended eyelash, the way you're looking? He said, ah, my, it's Christmas now. That, that she doesn't have food for her children must not affect her eyelash and her hair. Do you understand? There are things that to some people are not negotiable. That is what seeking means. When you seek something, you crave for it. So our text is saying those who are craving for glory, And that taught us about celestial glory and terrestrial glory. Those who are seeking for glory, these are the people that they put themselves under bound. They have self-control. The apostle Paul says, I beat my body, I put it under. Lest after I preach others, I myself will become a castaway. Why? He's looking for something. Interestingly and unfortunately, many of us in church now don't even know what we're looking for. We don't know what we're looking for because so many things have been brought before us and we're looking for so many things. Some people can't wait to post the service they attended and to tell you that share the service they attended. If you call them on the phone and say that service you attended, please, can you share one or two things the Lord said to you? They will post another one. 
Because they didn't learn, they didn't hear. They just want to be identified with what is trending. So when you ask them, how are you doing? You say, I worship here. What's going on? What's the Lord saying? They will tell you that, you know, this, because there's no interaction with the real thing. They are seeking, you know, vanity. They are seeking the wind. And you see, if you get it, what we're talking about, it, it will help you even understand your life, understand people's lives. Because God, I think it was last Sunday or two Sundays ago, we said, God is the creator of everyone. Do you believe that? God didn't make, you know, the Americans and, you know, allow them in Jamaica to make the, the Japanese. God made all of us, right? Now, if the same God made us, the same manufacturer made us, it means that the intrinsic quality of each of us is the same. Praise God. It means that nobody has the capacity to outdo you for nothing. The reason you are different from him is what you're seeking. The reason you're different from me is what I'm seeking. The reason we're different is because inside of us, God puts the capacity to become all that we can be. The Bible says, Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, and you shall seek me. And what will happen? Some of you will find me. What is the guarantee? It says, and you will seek me and what? But there's a, a notice there. The second, what does it say? When you search for me with all your heart. There's this, you know, uh, uh, saying that I never really understood. Even today, I still don't understand it. But we say, it said, if wishes were horses, beggars will ride. I don't know how it explains, but you know, we learned English. They colonized us, so whatever they say to if wishes were hostile, some people wish to have the Lord. Some people wish to be holy. Some people wish, you know, to be right. Some people wish to know God. You don't read your Bible, but you wish to know God. You want to sleep, and then your great-grandmother will put Bible inside your head. But you don't read it. So, it says there, and you will seek me and what? Find me when you search for what? With all your heart. With all your heart. If that is not there, then it's not seeking. That's why the definition says, and a desire to search out by any method. I remember those days in school. Some people, when they want to read, my school was big there, they will go and climb a tree. Did you know anybody who climbed tree to read? <laughs> they wanted to access the ozone layer from a different angle. <laughs> you know, some people will go to the field, you know. I just didn't understand it. Me, I would lie on my bed and be reading. Maybe that's why I didn't do so well in secondary school. But people went to extremes. Some people, in order not to sleep, will put their feet in water. That is seeking. Okay? So it says, when you search for me with all your heart. And then in Matthew 7, 7, our Lord Jesus even makes it, you know, clearer for us. He said, ask and it shall be what? Given to you. Seek and what? You will find. Knock and what will happen? It will be open to you. So, what's going on? I'm saying to myself, what's going on? If you don't seem to be finding, are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you knocking? What is going on? Many years ago, when just, you know, I can't remember, we went for something in just, and there was serious false scarcity. We drove into one of a, a gas station that was not selling, you know. We drove in, parked the car, and I, I was led to go to, you know, the man I saw there. And I greeted him. I said, sir, you know, good morning or good. I can't remember what it was. And I said to the man, sir, please, can you give me fuel? I need fuel. You know, I'm going to Abuja. We're traveling. 
And the man came out from his office, asked me to bring my car. There was a queue, they were not selling. And sold fuel to me and locked his stand. And then people there started shouting, I was wrong. He said, did you ask? <laughs> did you ask? You know, he said, did you ask? And why I asked, I don't know, but I know I needed fuel. Praise God. So he says, ask and it will be what? Given to you, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. The danger is when you're asking the wrong things. Like you come to church now, what are you asking for? What are you seeking after? What door are you knocking on? And that's the job of the minister of God to help you to seek the right thing. But he can't compel you. Because what is a society? Is a society is an environment, okay? Is where there are norms, there are goals that are hung that everybody in that society pursues after. The danger we have as a country now is that the goals Nigerians are pursuing after are destructive goals. If most Nigerians get what they are seeking after, this society will collapse. I was speaking with someone, I think it was yesterday, and he was saying to me that a lot of people want to do honest jobs. I say yes. The challenge is that the people who are doing honest jobs are not being supported by the system. So if you get into an office now, they put you in Ministry of Education, get into a school, and you strive to be the best teacher. Your students are getting, maybe you're a maths teacher, they're scoring 100% in maths, excelling. It will not qualify you for head teacher. The one who will be head teacher is the one who leaves the class and goes and buy, brings Dubai stuff and sells. Who can bribe the person who appoints head teacher? So we have a society that does not reward what is right. If that continues, we're going to get to the time where if you board a flight, you see what has been happening with the military. Some of those who are controlling those drones, they failed physics. They failed a lot of major courses. There are few nations, even at war, that have lost the level of military hardware that we have lost in the time we've lost it. If you investigate from ground, you see that some of them, primary school, now so they carry them. Secondary school, now so they carry them. Uh, and so they carry them and you carry them put for pilot ma'am what you see is what you get okay so you seek and you seek you must find out what am i seeking am i seeking the right thing matthew 6 23 it says the lamp of the body is the eye if therefore your eye is good what was going to happen see that is it if you seek the right thing your whole body will be full of light if you can get that right, oh, I mean, what a beautiful combination is going to be. Your whole body will be full of light. But 23 says, but if your eye is bad, if what you're seeking is the wrong thing. You know, so some of us entered university. Unfortunately, our parents were not that educated. So they didn't instruct us well on the critical nature of what your aggregate, you know, will carry for you. I say it here every time. If you're a young person here, still in secondary school or university, I beg you, for those four years, five years, six years you're in school, get good grades. Your children will hear about it. Most of us that are children don't hear grades. It's because we didn't do well. If you have a parent that made a first class, even your great-grandchildren will hear it because anywhere they gather, they say, ah, he graduated. Some of them graduated in 1958. They're still talking about it because of what they did five years you could have done the same thing but you entered university to be a guy you entered university to be a babe so you became a babe for five years now you can't be a babe you're too old but the guy the babe who got first class up till today the children 
are saying, my mother, they are friends when we come. You know your mother made first class. When your friends come, what would they tell your children? You made. You went to school. <laughs> Praise God. So if your eye is good, if you seek the right things, seek for glory, glory celestial, glory terrestrial, seek for the things that will bring honor, that will not bring shame, Come into the church and seek to serve. He says, who is he who wants to be the head over all? He said, let him be what? Servant of all. Some people come into an environment and they just want to be boss. And then the singer will say, wait till you get, you know, get nothing. They go, they pose, they go, they pose, they go, they walk out. Do you understand? You're just supposed to, you, nothing. If the ushers tell you something, you get offended. If they tell you to do this, you get offended. Who are you? Who are you doing a favor for? You should come into an environment and seek to be the lowliest if you know what this kingdom is about. Why? Because automatically God resists the proud and raises the humble. Automatically. You don't have to press the button. God is in the business of raising the humble. God is in the office of humbling the proud. So if you have that understanding, anywhere you come, take the lowest seat. Praise God. Seek to minister. Seek to serve. If you seek that, ah, the Bible says your whole body will be what? Full of life. If your eye be good. I want us to see that in the Living Bible translation. We'll look at it, the Living Bible, an easy to read version. Okay. Thank you. It says, if your eye is pure, there will be sunshine in your... So, we sang about sunshine this morning. But it says, if your eye is clouded with evil thoughts and desires, and you are in deep what? spiritual darkness if your desire is wrong some persons have become christians in this generation and they became christians to blow because you see it is the cheapest environment to blow if you go to another other place they'll demand some things from you but when you come every time they're prophesying to you shout the biggest hallelujah do this do this so you're just going you say uh, what god cannot do does not happen you know you're just shouting there is no integrity no depth to you no asking yourself question somebody shares testimony you claim it another person shares testimony you possess it another person shares testimony you acquire it you just have a lot of property but the only testimony somebody's testimonies it's because your desire is wrong. If my foundation is right as a Christian, you know what I want to do? I want to seek for glory. I want to know him. The Apostle Paul says that I may what? That I may know him. Nobody truly becomes a Christian and is seeking any other thing. It's not possible. You know, there are things that are written in the Bible that are so simple that if you take it, life will be easy for you. It says the kingdom of heaven is like a man. Who found a treasure? Okay, who seeks uh, precious, uh, precious treasures? And he found one. What did he do? He said he went and sold all. For the sake of that one, he went for joy. That's another place they told us joy. For joy of that one, he went and sold it and bought that one. So if I say I'm a Christian and the knowledge and pursuit of God is not my greatest joy, I am lying to myself. If your prayer is not, Lord, I want to know you. If your prayer in this season is, God, you must see me before the year end. You must settle me before the year Today is my day of settlement. Today is my... Your eye is bad. Because God is not on you. If God settles you, you won't like it. Praise God. It's bad eye. But when the eye is good, you're saying, Lord, you have kept me alive. 
Lord, you have watched over me. Lord, you have saved me. I want to honor you. I want to bless you. What can I do to please you today? You wake up in the morning. You ask the Lord, Lord, you have been so good to me. How can I honor you today? That is a good eye. Let's see the other translation, please. Easy to read version, yes. Okay. Let's read everyone. The only source of life for the body is the eye, okay? He said if you look at people and want to what? What will happen? You will be full of light. 23. But if you look at people in a selfish way, you'll be full of darkness. And if the only light you have is really darkness, say that's the worst kind of darkness. That will not be a portion in the name of Jesus. So he's still talking about what I'm seeking. And you know, we have the account that the people called wise men in the Bible, they call them magis and you know, different names. But most translations still carry that word wise. And I know the Holy Spirit knows why. In Matthew 2 verse 1 and 2, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. What was their mission? They said, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east. And what have we come to do? We have come to worship him. Now we are taught, you know, that those men are astrologers. They are scientists, they are, you know, scholars, they are investigators. But interestingly, notice what happened here. When they saw the star and came to Jesus, they did not come to investigate Jesus. They came to worship him. It means that whatever, wherever you're coming from, when it has to do with Jesus, the only reasonable thing to do is to what? Worship him. Many years ago, we had a sticker, wise men still, still seek Jesus. Wise men seek to worship him. Wise women seek to worship him. Wise boys seek to worship him. Wise girls seek to worship him. It's wisdom. Because when you do that, your whole body will be full of light. Everything will fall in place. You will just realize that everything falls in place, no matter the situation. No matter the circumstance you find yourself. That's what happened with the Hebrew boys. They found themselves in a situation and they said, Well, king, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. What we know is that there is one God and him alone we worship. And they said, We'll not bow. So they threw them into the fiery furnace. What happened in the fiery furnace? They found him that they were honoring. May you find Jesus in your process of honoring him. In the name of Jesus Christ. So this wise man fought also 10 and 11. Something interesting there before we leave them. They said when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Okay? And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Now notice what is happening here. They had seen the star. They came into the house. And there were people in the house. Mary, the mother of Jesus, if someone here is of um, Catholic bias, may this help you. Wise people don't worship Mary. Wise people recognize that Mary is the mother of Jesus. But wise people do not equate, do not distract themselves with Mary. These wise men saw the child and Mary, his mother. Now, notice what, let's read it together. This will help somebody. And they fell down and worshipped how many people? So they did not worship Mary. Who did they worship? They saw an adult and they worshipped a baby. How can you be confusing Mary when Jesus is now exalted? When he was a baby, wise men didn't confuse it. Now listen. 
Interesting. The second part says, and when they had what? Opened their treasures. What did they do? They presented gifts to how many people? When you go to see a child, a baby that's been born, who do you normally give the gift? It's the mother. It's the mother. But to make sure that there is no confusion today, they did not present to Mary. They gave to the child so that you don't mix up. The distance between humanity and divinity, even the blind cannot miss it. Even our pilots cannot miss it. Are you with me? So wise men, they are focused, they are not distracted. Praise Jesus. Okay, so we are moving forward now. So we've gone from MSG to a bit of Christmas. Let's try and round up, okay? So one more question. What makes a family a family? What makes a family a family? Sorry? Love. Just shout it out very well so I can. Okay. Blood ties. Okay. Sorry? Come on, go. Yes. We're all correct. John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, we're told something there from verse 10. Talking about our Lord Jesus Christ. He was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own. I want to ask first, what does this own mean? His own. Jewish people. He came to his family. He made the world now. We learned last Sunday, right? That it is the father's desire that all his creation will become his children. But they cannot force fatherhood. That would be kidnapping. He came to his own. They told us that we reversed then. The world was made through. He made all things. So he's rightful owner. Praise God. Do you understand? He's a rightful owner. But the Bible says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. So when they didn't receive him, what happened? Did they continue to be his own? In a sense, they continue to be his own. But in a sense, they cease to be his own. So the next verse says, but as many as received him, to them he gave what? The right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So now, what makes us family? Believing in the same thing. That's why in this Nigeria, many years ago, I think I was still in Lagos then even. I don't even know if I was born again when God gave me that. You know. But he said to me, we don't have religious problem in this nation. You know why? How many blood crises have you heard that is between Muslim and Christian? They say they are fighting. The owners of this business are fighting. And there are two sides. The Christians on one side, the Muslims on one side. Have you seen them fight? They don't fight. You know why? They are united under mammon. When you see list of names of those who are caught, you know, for stealing government money, corruption and all of that. Do you see one tribe alone? Do you see one religion alone? You see Mustafa, you see Okereke, you see uh, Adebanjo, right? You see Etim, you see all of them. You know why? They are not being moved by all the other things that make the poor people and the masses kill themselves. They just want money. When money is involved, there is unity. They believe in the God called Mammon. Praise the Lord. Now, Christians are not necessarily those who come to the same church. They are those who believe what the church preaches. 
Because we have had intimate fellowship, not even general church. We call, you know, it's not every woman here that is part of the Queen's Fellowship. Then Queen's Fellowship will have a meeting. Inside there, there's still somebody's phone. Is that family? <laughs> I get in what I'm talking about. It's the believing in one. It so bonds people. It so unites people that nothing can separate them. Recently in Nigeria, there have been not one, not two, not three cases of children that have either faked their own kidnap to get money from their parents or children that have kidnapped their own parents, isn't it? Are they family? <laughs> They're not. Well, blood, like our sister said, by DNA. In Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our and according to our likeness. So, family, I told somebody who say resemblance. You look like so-so person. You look like so-so. You must be brothers. You must be twins. You must be cousins. That's so. so God said, let us make man in our image. That's one. Then the second one says, let us make man in our likeness. That word likeness is a superior one. Because you see, you know, when you live in this world, I want you to say, Lord, broaden my view. If there's something that the blind can't understand, then you haven't fully understood all of it. Is there something that the deaf can't understand? The world God made, eh? he made for everybody. You understand? So if it's by resemblance alone, how does the blind know? So there's something deeper. It's a likeness. In our likeness, you behave in such a way that they say, ah, you are like your father. You remind me of your brother. The way you responded like this. Ah, I went to school with your brother. This is the same way he responds when something like this happens. I get him. So there is likeness. And you know, it's so important here that it says, verse 13 says, who were born? Not of what? Blood. Okay? So it is not of what? Blood. Nor of the will of the flesh. Nor of the will of but of the will of God. Now, what is the will of God? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not what? This is the will of God. That if you believe in him, you become family. Now, that believing in him makes me family, right? That's how I am born into the family. Okay, praise God. Are you following me this morning? Very clear. If that makes me family, that explains one of the things that some people here answer. It explains John 13, 35. Some of the other things that I'd expected to hear, which we also said is love for one another, isn't it? When we love one another, that's what our Lord Jesus Christ says. It says a new commandment, okay? A new commandment I give to you that you do what? That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. It says by this, We'll all know that you are my, if you have love for one another. Okay? So, love for one another. And how is this demonstrated? It's demonstrated in we help one another. We encourage people. You know, what, if you see your brother in need, you support him, you help, you assist. Okay? Another way we manifest this love for one another is you enjoy one another's presence. Praise God. Like for me now, for those who are watching online. I love you more than seeing you online. I want you to be here. Can you still come? The food won't finish. Praise God. When you love somebody, what do you want? You want the person's presence. Okay? But you and I know that 
We're in a time where most people don't really love your presence. They love your presence. They love your presence. They, they prefer you even if you're not there. <laughs> you know, they prefer your presence. That, that's why as we're here now as a family. No matter how nice and jovial you are, you don't get so much response. But if you're rich and nasty and not that nice, you will still be loved. They will greet you very well. They will come to your car after service and greet you. They will say, sister, this your shoe is fine. Auntie, this. They are speaking to your presence. They are not speaking to you. And that's not good for your family. Praise God. You know, whenever we talk about love, we are telling people who have to give to those who don't have. But people who do not have, unquote, everybody has something, should also learn to love people for who they are. It can be lonely and very empty when you know that everybody who is coming to you is coming to get something out of you. Praise God. At the center of it, every person is an individual. He has a personality who desires to be loved for himself, not his gifts. Praise God. So it's so easy, you know, to love the brother who leads the praise and worship and, you know, you know him or the sister. But what about the other people who are serving in other places that their gifts are not manifest? Do you encourage them? Do you greet them? Praise God. If they don't do what they are doing, the person who is jumping up and they can frustrate the person. The keyboard will give him wrong key. The drummer will drum off beat. You know? The people are there, the type of things they do to me, they will just quench the mic. So if they don't do what they do, but beyond that, whether anybody does anything or not, part of the manifestation of family is that we love one another for who they are. They are family, so we love them. That's what makes Christmas time beautiful, isn't it? There are some uncles that when you see them, you know, those days, you know, money will flow. There are some uncles that when they come, I don't know if you have such uncles, I'll just be yabbing you. And you're wondering, where did my mother get this kind of brother from? The type of uncles you call abaya. Even the food you're eating, they'll take the meat. Others will come and take you out and buy things for you. But they're family. Praise God. Okay? So we enjoy one another's presence. You know, we enjoy their presence. We enjoy their presence, not only their presence. Another thing about family is that we correct one another. If we call ourselves family and we can't correct one another, if I correct you, you correct me, I get offended, then we're not really family. Praise God. It's very important we take note of that because we're in the time now, even in the church, if you notice, you know, um, quite a few, you know, preachers, and, and I thank God for them, are making effort to call out some people that are bringing some very dangerous and risky teachings in, in the body of Christ. So somebody recently was, I saw that one, you know, normally I don't even bother to listen to them. But what he said was so shocking. I said, let me hear myself. Somebody was teaching people that they should conjure people's spirits and deal with them. You know? And, you know, a lot of people will not be happy because that's their man of God. And they will say, mind your business. If I mind my business, that means we're not family. That the church is one means that, you know, when you succeed, I succeed. When you fail, I fail. So if I see you failing... I'm at the risk of being drawn down. Praise God. So we must be able to correct one another. It's only somebody who is not close to you, who is not known to you, who you have no interest in their well-being, that you see in the market, you know, with the shirt torn and everything. And you just walk past the person and you keep, you keep smiling. If the person is any bit of family, if you have an extra, you go and give the person, isn't it? That's what family is. Correction is important. And part of what we're going to learn as a, let's be free. 
You know, you come to church, you're a lady, and, you know, men shouldn't do this. You see another lady that is wearing swimming trunk to church. You know, what she's wearing is fit for the bedroom, you know, for maybe if you're swimming or if you're playing lawn tennis. But you shouldn't wear such things to church. As a sister, you greet the sister, you know, nicely and warmly. I say, sister, cloth scars. <laughs> you understand? I mean, by the time four people say that to her, because what happens most times is that people see that and they just throw away their face and they call it love. No, it's not love. You're not loving the person. You're loving yourself. You're protecting yourself from being insulted. But when you do that, you're not loving the person. Praise God. So there's correction. You correct one another in love. Speak the truth in love. Okay? If somebody offends you and, you know, it's disturbing you. I mean, I'm not saying anytime someone offends you, you can't walk up to the person. You know, and say to the person, you know, like one young man, many years ago, after about five years, he came to Mamichi and said that I, I've forgiven you, you know, or, or whatever, I've released you. And Mamichi doesn't even, I'm not sure she even knows this person. So that's not what we're saying, you know. We're not saying imagine yourself to be something, no. But if something is really disturbing you to the point where it's affecting you, then you have a right to bring it up and deal with it, Okay? But if we're not able to do that, then we, we don't really love that person. We're not family because family means we are bonded in one direction. Another word that could catch it is fellowship. Fellows in a ship. When a ship sinks, how many people go down? Everybody in the ship. So we don't want the ship to sink. So we correct one another. Okay? Praise God. So th- those are some of the things. But where I wanted us to go to is that our Lord Jesus Christ said, by this all will know that you are my disciples. And we said, you come into this kingdom by believing. Now, how do I identify you, you and you, as my brother and sister today? How do I identify you? Can anybody help me? How do I really identify you so that I can love you? What is it that I will see and then I now want to, I say, ah, this is my brother. Let me love him or let me love her. What is it that we see? Praise God. Okay, let me help you. If believing is what makes us become born again, if one belief is what makes us one family, am I right? So what does belief do? Sorry? It, it strengthens love. Yes, that's a very deep answer. What does belief do? If we said believe, one belief is what makes us one family. So what would the belief do? Simple, the belief will make us act the same way. It will make us do the same thing now. This is freedom fellowship. If you believe this is freedom fellowship and you're all born again, there should be no fornicators amongst you. If you see a fornicator, you have a right to beat her or beat him. Because that person is a wolf here. If we believe the same thing, if we meet at the club, everybody's free to smoke mana, smoke whatever. But here somebody does it. Ah! You came in here, are you a spy? You, you beat the person like they were beating Joseph's brother in, in Egypt. Are you getting it? If belief is what makes us family, then behavior is what proves it. Praise God. Somebody saying, give me scripture. Mark 3, please, 31. Then his brothers and his mother came and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him, continue to terrify. And the multitude was sitting around him, and they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking. Come, come, Rabbi, come, they're looking for you. They look like you. Ah, this, your, this must be your brother. They look like, Come, come, come. What did Jesus answer? But he answered them, saying, Who is my mother? 
or my brothers? And then he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said what? He said, here are my mother and my brothers. Continue 35. He says, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. Let's rise on our feet. So family fun day. We are going to eat together. We are going to dance and play together. But the truth is this. If you're not living this life that I believe that this church believes, that this fellowship believes, you're not family. If you come here, you know, from the bed of adultery, you're not family. If you're beating your wife and doing things that are contrary, you're not family. Praise God. It's as simple as that. This is family. Whoever does the will of God. Jesus is saying, if my mother, if my biological mother does not do the will of God, she's not my mother. That's what he's saying. If my biological brothers with the same DNA, with everything, don't do the will of God, he said, they're not my brothers. So as we're gathered together, because, you know, we're going to get to say, hold somebody, tell them that you love them, you know, all of that. It's good, but what the word of God says is here. This is what makes us family. You know why? This is our safety. If we don't do it this way, remember what Achan cost the whole nation of Israel. Remember, Achan didn't die. It was later that he died. People's husbands died. People's fathers died. People's brothers died. People's children died. Because somebody who was not believing what they believed in was in the midst of the family. Praise God, somebody. Today is a new day. It's going to be a brighter day. Let's close our eyes as we bow our heads in prayer. I want you to ask the Lord. Or not even ask the Lord. First of all, thank him. That he has made it possible. I, I don't have to go back to my grandfather to become royalty. The Bible says, as many as received him. To them he gave the right or the power. Which means it doesn't matter where I've come from. It doesn't matter how I live my life. It doesn't matter the journey that I've traveled on. If I believe on him right now, today. He says I'll become part of this family. So I want to make a call quickly before we take the rest of the prayer. You're here, you're listening to me. And you can't say to me, preacher man, if Jesus were to come, or God forbid, if I were to fall down dead now, I can be sure that I'll be welcomed in heaven as a child of God. I know I'm part of this heavenly family. My name is in the book of life. You're not sure of that. You're not living your life in a way that you're certain of that. Then I want you to exercise the greatest privilege that man can ever have to call upon the name of the lord we started by saying you find what you seek you want to have that relationship you want your sins forgiven you want your name written in the book of life jesus said if you call on me i will save you are you here today and saying preacher i want my sins forgiven i want my name written in the book of life i want to surrender my life to jesus I want to be part of this family. Then I want you to raise your hand anywhere you are so I can pray with you. Anywhere you are. Come, let's pray. Come. Come, my dear. Come. Come and join this family of God. Come and have your name written in the book of life. This call is for anybody who is here. Who cannot say. Who doesn't want to rejoice in fake family excitement. We want the real thing. We want so that when anything happens we can be sure 
that this person is in the bosom of the Lord. You know that's what we say. He has gone to the bosom of the Lord. May we not tell lies. She has gone to the bosom of the Lord. May we not tell lies. If you're here listening to me and you know. You see, part of the things about family is that nobody poses in the family. In the family, we are down to earth. It's in the family that our sisters tie rapper. When they come outside, they form. When they get home, they don't do that for me. Here, you know that what we are talking about. You are not sure. Please, don't form for us. We are family. You and I, are. we want to be family. Praise God. So, please, I want to beg you. Come and have your name entered in the book of life. Come and turn your back on that deceiver. That one that is making you hang around church. But church is not in you. Christ is not in you. Jesus is saying to you today. These are my brothers and sisters. Those who hear the word of God and do it. Say to yourself, I want to join. We learned already that with God, all things are possible. Somebody's listening to me here and the devil is telling me, you know, you can't live that life. The devil is a liar. You can live that life. If I can live it, you can live it. It's not by strength. It's not by might. It's not by power. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to round it up now. So we'll say this prayer. Those of us that are here, can you say after me, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I acknowledge that you are the son of God. You came into this world to die for sinners. I am one of them. Jesus, wash me from my sins with your blood. I believe when you died, you died for me. I believe you took my punishment. Jesus, you also rose on the third day to justify me to give me the power of a new life as a child of God I receive that gift I receive forgiveness my name is written now in your book of life I belong to you I am part of this family from today I receive the gift of your Holy Spirit to enable me and empower me to live this life victoriously until I see you face to face. Amen. I am born again. Thank you, Jesus. So I want to pray a prayer for the members of the family. And um, can we please turn to Luke 12 and um, from 22. Luke 12, 22 says, Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you eat now, about the body, what you put on. You see, when you belong to a family, most of us here, where this is a city, most of us, you know, our parents did not grow up here. You have a family house, am I right? And that's why a lot of people travel, you know, during the holidays because you travel to your family house. And, you know, for most of us also, you can travel to your family house empty-handed. Am I right? Once you make it to that place, the food you eat, even the clothes you wear, even the guy you do, there is just something about the family. It's the same thing in the kingdom. Praise God. When you come into this kingdom, the father says, do not pursue what the Gentiles pursue after. He said, for your father knows the things that you have need of. He went on to say in 32, he says, it is the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
I want you to think. Anything that is in your head as a need, as a burden, as a desire. This is the end of years. This is the season where there's pressure on your married. You know, what's going on? This is the reason, the time there's pressure on most, you know, fathers for provision for the family and so many things whatever need you have standing here listening to me the father sent me to tell you say do not fear little flock for what it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom are you sick in the body it is the father's your father's good pleasure to heal you are you, did you hear the word today? And you're wondering. You don't want to continue the life you're living. It is a father's good pleasure to transform you. I want you now to go ahead and tell the father. Thank you for you a good, good father. Thank you for you will supply. You will do much more than I can ask or imagine. I want you to thank the father. Because he will carry you. He will carry you he will carry you he's a good father he gave birth and he's able to sustain he's able to uphold he's able to perfect he's able to direct the bible says he that begun the good work in you is faithful to perform it to continue it until the day of our lord jesus god has no abandoned projects your life he will perfect it pray lord thank you lord i receive his rest I place my trust. I place my confidence. I place my assurance that I belong to a family. I am not an orphan. You will take care of me. In this place, you will take care of me. On this journey, you take care of me. Whatever it is, I want you to mention it to the Lord now. And tell him, you are my father. You are my father. Our Lord Jesus Christ teaching us to pray. He said, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He said, give us this day our daily bread lord i'm thanking you because you supply all my need thank you father we give you praise and glory in jesus christ's name we pray you've been listening to a message by pastor ikina keke of the father's church we are sure you've been blessed we invite you to worship with us at eden center Barnex Guarimpa Expressway near next Kashinkari, Abuja for telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404 you can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you